Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great show for you. We're going to talk a little bit about drainage and tiling in crop. If you've got any questions for us or anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm, our phone number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. Well, we are live in the Morton studio today on our farm. I'll just give you a quick update. We were all ready to go with planting you yesterday. You on every acre and, that got planted, Brian. Yep, and uh, <laughs> we got in the range of half an inch to an inch on all of our ground. So now we're sitting for a few more days. That's just the way it goes. Get ready and then wait. Get ready and then wait. But, you know, that's just uh, that's that's just part of farming. But there are a lot of farmers who are rolling around the country. And if you are one of those, we certainly wish you good luck. And we would just tell you when you're putting that seed in the ground, that's when you have the most potential for yield. So the better you can do planting that seed, typically, the more net income you can have in the end. So that's why we talk all the time about, you know, you got to be careful. And there's always a judgment call in terms of, well, how wet is too wet? And, you know, are you going to kind of mud it in? Are you going to wait another day or two for things to dry up? And then certainly, what are you going to do for inferral treatments, seed treatments, early season treatments, pre-emerge herbicides, lots of choices when you get to this time of year. And again, it is it is a lot of judgment call because we just don't know exactly how the season's going to turn out. We don't know what diseases or insects or weeds are going to show up. We just have to do our best and try to kind of play the odds. So if you've had certain issues before, obviously those are usually the ones that we want to fight first. Here's the thing, Brian. Now, a lot of farmers will get a plan A ready early in the season. They'll get seed ordered, crop protection ordered, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden you throw that curveball of 2019 and excess rain and late season snow and flooding and all these things. And it causes people to think, man, maybe I should go to plan B. Maybe I should change plan A. And sometimes that happens even when planting's delayed a week or two weeks, that, oh, no, I should change everything now. And I I would just caution you about that. If you're finding yourself in that mindset that, man, you know, this season is not a normal year for us. Yeah, it okay, it's not. It's not. That's for sure. If we had this every year, probably some of us would decide, "Eh, there's better things to do than farming. But this is the year that we got. And you just have to look at how things turn out most years that, all right, so we're delayed a little bit at planting time. Well, what normally happens, a lot of times we end up with a later harvest. Or you think about really how far are you pushing things on your farm? Are you really pushing with the latest possible hybrid that you could plant? If so, yeah, a couple weeks, you may need to switch up a little bit. But if you say, well, no, I probably could be planting 110 day corn. I'm planting 104. So I have quite a bit of cushion there. Yeah. Then there's no way I'd change anything up. I'd stay with what I had planned and, and I would plan on, all right, well, the calendar says it's two weeks later than I'd like it to be, but that's going to work out just fine for me. All right. So today our topic in crop tiling, we talk a lot about drainage here at Ag PhD, and I'll tell you the reason why. We used to have a lot of issues on our farm. I'll go back to the year 2007. That, that spring, we were farming, I think, 33 different fields. We only had three fields we could farm straight through. Now, don't get me wrong. We planted every single acre. It's just that 
I know in one field in particular, it took four tries. <laughs> so that was obviously very frustrating. And in every one of those wet areas, our yield was hurt come fall. So we started doing our own tiling that fall. And it, now granted, from 2000, if you think about the years, 2007 to 2012, when we did most of our tiling, that's when crop prices were really high. So I get that. But still, you know, if you look at what the yield increase was, I mean, there's one five-acre spot south. So if you come to the Ag PhD field day, by the way, that's the last Thursday in July every year. We have about 10,000 farmers that attend that each year. Love to have you join us. It's a free event we put on for you to basically say thanks to, thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for watching Ag PhD TV. So we show you a lot of new technology, bring in some of the best farmers around the world to speak to you and uh, talk to you about things they're doing on their farms. Uh, we show you some of the things we're doing on our farm and, and research, new technologies, a lot of new products that aren't even going to be released yet for a year or two or three years. So anyway, it's super fun. Uh, and again, we hope you join us. Go to agphd.com to learn more about that. But anyway, the reason why I got started on that is at the Ag PhD Field Day site, right on the south side of it, I've got a big field. And in that big field, this is one of the first fields that we were tiling back in 2007-2008. I had a five-acre spot, I know, that produced zero. And I'm going to say it was either 07 or 08. And anyway, then we, we tiled it. And the very next year, we had 200 bushel corn average in that five-acre spot. So we raised 1,000 bushels of corn in five acres. And the prior year, we'd raised zero. So did the tile pay for itself there? Uh, it paid for itself in one year. In one year, it paid. So, we and we had spots like that around our farm. We also had a lot of spots where we should have been raising 200 plus bushel corn, but we were raising 100 or 120 or 150. Well, once we got the tile in, it was 200. And also, we have been able to farm every field straight through ever since we put the tile in. So, the, one of the things I tell people all the time is, you know, the tile has made us all kinds of money. It's actually improved the ground. It has made the downstream water cleaner. It's improved the environment. It's helped us build soil organic matter, allowed us to plant earlier, uh, spray timely. I mean, all these things, it's fantastic. It's been tremendous for the environment, for our neighbors, for ourselves, for our local community, because now obviously there are more tax dollars, um, you know, when there's more revenue generated. But the, the one thing I kind of come back to is tiling for us has made farming fun again. It's not fun when you have to farm around wet holes and then drive back to the field again a week or two or three weeks later, fill in those spots. Then you've also got wet areas in the fall, so you have to harvest around that. Then you have to come back with the combine again. All these jobs, oh, and it's you just can't so do it hard timely. on equipment, too, as you're trying to get through some of those spots and hard on the ground. So anyway, we're going to talk about tiling, and since it's kind of a wet spring, we're going to talk about tiling in crop on today's program. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? The Soil Warrior can reduce trips across the field, optimize nutrient placement, and improve soil health. So you can lower production costs without losing yield. See what makes the Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Avoid dry run failures with the new Hypro Force Field Pump. Providing the ultimate protection, this wet seal pump will save you on costly in-season downtime to keep your sprayer running. Now all you have to worry about is the weather. Hypro, helping you spray better. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. 
Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Efficiency is important to the bottom line, but your nitrogen program can be a challenge, as rainfall can leach nitrogen needed for a profitable crop right out of the root zone. Applied with UAN fertilizer, Proximus from Actigrow is proven to reduce nitrate leaching up to 69% and increase nitrogen use efficiency. To improve your yield, ask your ag retailer for Proximus with your next UAN purchase or visit StopLeaching.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Too wet to be out in our fields yet, and we've got a little bit of tiling that still needs to get done. So guess what? Odds are we're going to be doing it in crop. We're going to plant first and tile a little bit later. We've got Keith Rower with us right now with dry run drainage down in Iowa. Keith, is this something that happens in your area too? Oh, it's kind of becoming more common, but it's really... Uh, not been something people have thought about. It's it's something we're trying to get people's mindset changed because the windows of time to work have just been so narrow. Um, this year has been a rough spring. <laughs> Last fall, we froze out early. Usually I work all of December or most of it. And last year, I didn't hardly work any of it. In March, same way. So... Well, you guys farm too, Keith. And you think about the difference that it makes when you get a field properly drained versus when you've got an issue out there in the field it it i know for us we we just don't want to wait we want to get that taken care of and honestly where are we tiling we're tiling in some pretty rough areas that we just haven't seen it hurt our yield at all on our yield monitor when we've run through even some standing crop oh absolutely i mean on our farm being i'm a farmer and a tiler my farming uh gets done before my tiling and so i commonly go through my crop in in areas uh, tiling and, and like you said, the benefits uh, of the tile are going to far outweigh the damage done to the standing crop. And uh, it's just a matter of getting your customers and people to see that because, you know, that wet hole that we're trying to get to is huge loss, but everywhere around that is losses. And, and the further away you get, of course, it's minor, but those can all be increased and improved with that drainage and tile. What do you see for the guys in your area, Keith, that already have some tile in? Is it mostly uh, just narrowing up the spacing and, and doing little fix-it projects, or, or, or are there still big fields that guys haven't done anything to? Well, I wouldn't say there are big fields that almost all fields have tile in them to some degree. Um, what we're What I'm seeing is existing tile systems were not big enough and either that's a result of more rainfall which seems to be happening and the years um 
typically the farmer has had an issue there and have known of an issue. And in, in years like 2018's growing season, it really became an issue. And so um, they're, you know, targeting those areas. And, and it's always interesting, the wet holes we take care of, it seems like you come back and there's a few years later some other areas that are now wet. And I attribute that to we, you know, were taking care of the major problem a few years ago. You didn't notice this little problem. Now that the big problem's gone, the little problem is all of a sudden rearing its head. And so eventually we seem to work across fields. You know, I just finished another project on a oh, half section, basically three different times I've come in and done different areas. And, uh, each time just targeting the worst. We look at the yield map and then target those areas and go from there. Now, Keith, uh, you farm as well, and you've got to pay for this tile that goes in. Granted, you own equipment and so forth, but you still have to pay for all the tile going in. How do you do that? How do you finance that? What do you what do you say to your banker when you want to do some tiling, and, and what do you tell the accountant as well? Well, I mean, the uh, inputs that we're putting on that acre – are the same. And if I produce, you know, uh, a hundred bushel corn crop or a 200 bushel corn crop, my inputs and costs were the same. And so if we fix that drainage issue and get that going, we've all of a sudden gained that yield. And that is, is, um, what is basically going to return on our investment. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's plenty of data out there to show that that fixing those problems and allowing uh, our plant roots to get deeper and not to uh, to drown out as that water table rises can certainly add to the bottom line long term. Uh, I've been talking with Keith Rower with Dry Run Drainage down in Iowa. Keith, good luck this spring as as you get rolling with the planting and also with the tiling too. Thank you, Sam. To you folks, I've got Tim Kilmer with us right now with Horsepower Drainage. Tim, how's it going? Good. Wet. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you find finding any dry places where you can actually go? We're we're we're, we're doing some stuff down in uh, Ottawa, Iowa, and and in Nebraska this week. But we've got two crews running. You know, when when you think about that, there's a, a lot of innovation happening in in tiling and projects are getting uh well just done differently than than what we've done in the past what are some of the things that that you're finding uh, uh farmers are latching on to and and some of the advantages of of working with new technology you know what i would call the uh the way we're installing tile with uh, a european style shank called a v plow it's not a new concept it's new here but it's it's been in europe for you know since the early, or late 70s, early 80s. Um, but we can go through crop, and if it's two-leaf corn or even shorter, uh, or small beans, basically run over stuff, and the crop will roll right through the V-plow, and it's it's still basically in its rows, and it'll be settled in, and you can, uh, a bean header will go roll right over it, and we don't have the berm or the trench to worry about. And that that's a lot easier for guys to wrap their minds around than if we were putting putting berms out there. Yeah, that is one of the challenges. I know a lot of times we'll talk about, all right, it's a one-year inconvenience, and then uh, after a year we're back to normal. But, yeah, if you can avoid even the one-year inconvenience, that's that's a pretty good thing. What are you seeing with, with some of these wetter soils? Uh, what kind of performance do you have in that, and, and do you, are you still stuck waiting uh, just like you are with some of the other technology out there? You know, 
these higher magnesium soils that we've been seeing in Nebraska, I, I'm, I can say um, they, a lot of guys have a higher expectation of when and how quick uh, tile's going to work. And, and a lot of times we put the tile in, yeah, that's step one, but they've got some soil amendments to do, and, and that's sometimes not what they want to hear. And, and, and the thing, you even tell them up front, and they, they may not even realize just how serious you are about that. And um, I, I can say we're, we're, we're doing what needs to be done by getting that drainage tile in. But the soil amendments and breaking up some of these wetter soils into where you know, looking at their farming practices, it, it definitely sometimes can jar the way they've been doing things for a number of years and, and make them rethink and because and, they've spent the money on the tile, they've they've made an investment, so they're gonna they're gonna it kind of forces them into a change that they aren't necessarily thinking they're gonna have to do, but they, they find out uh, quickly when when there's not there's water coming but just not as fast or it's not as dry as quick as they want it to be you know when you think about in crop tiling tim a lot of guys this year are talking about man i'm not going to be able to get out there and do stuff before i plant i'm gonna have to come in when the crop's really small and you, you talked a little bit about soil disturbance are, are you mainly putting in the main lines at that point or are you also running some laterals at that time too you know, if middle of July or August, if 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 a guy will let me come in and put a main in, and say it's twelve hundred feet long, and our machine's eleven feet wide, when you do the square footage and you divide it by forty three, five sixty, and you go, okay, I'm going to run over a third of an acre, and then you you tell them what you with their typical yield, just how many dollars you're really going to ruin, and it kind of take cuts the emotion out of it, and gets them all. Oh, we're talking about three, four hundred dollars. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's it's a little. I could even take that off my invoice. Yeah, in the in and, the grand scheme of things, it's not going to take long to pay back your worst yielding areas of the field if you can get them up to kind of a normal yield level. Uh, hey, one last question, Tim. I got about thirty seconds left. What's the trend right now? Are more guys talking about using those tile lines to also sub irrigate, or are you getting more guys just concerned about drainage? You know, it depends on where I'm at. If I'm out in Wyoming or western Nebraska, I think as long as they know they have a conversion right, they will pay for the for the engineering to basically get it laid out right. And I would say, you know, they're not necessarily ready to spend the 3,000 an acre to get full and sub-irrigation done. But, but it, they've got a choice, you know, if they can lay it out right. Yeah, a lot of things to, to talk about when it comes to drainage, and uh, and Tim Kilmer at Horsepower Drain is certainly right at the forefront of the, the technology side of things. Tim, thanks for sharing today. I uh, really appreciate having you on, and good luck this spring. Thank you, Darren. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we'll be right back after this. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. 
featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit HeadsUpST.com. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting today from the Morton Studio, and we're taking your calls and questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, AgPhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Well, we're not able to do any tiling out in our fields right now. We're a little bit too wet. And uh, if we're going to get some tiling done this spring, it's going to happen in crop, no doubt about it, on our farm. We've got Noah Nelson with us up in Minnesota. How about in your area, Noah? Are guys going to get anything done before planting, or is a lot of the drainage work going to get done after plant? Well, we're hoping to get a little bit done here before planting, but it's uh, not looking like we're going to get much done. <laughs> Wow, this this window is closing pretty fast on us because we we got another rainy week in the forecast here, and you know a lot of questions from farmers if they've got fields that are well drained and and they're able to get in those fields early, they certainly know the fields that they need to improve drainage on. Uh, are you getting more calls when you go through a wet uh, couple of years like this than than normal? Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, 
Uh, last year was it was slow, a little bit slow to begin with, and then uh, things slowly picked up, and then the spring here now we were swamped, literally. You know, I, I get a hard time from my wife from time to time that, wow, you guys are agronomists, you're talking about weed control all the time, yet our lawn probably is the last one to get sprayed because we're busy with everything else on the farm. How about for you? Are your fields the last ones to get tiled? Or are you guys all caught up on your farm too? Uh, no, we, uh, we're, ours are always back burner. Um, <laughs> we actually we do a lot of in-crop tiling for ourselves because the last few years have been real slow in the summers. It's, it's uh, it, it can be tough to try and convince guys to to let us out in there, you know, their nice looking corn or bean field. But um, some some guys are really good to let us do it, and other guys don't. But uh, you know, we anytime we're we got a break to uh, on customer fields, we'll we'll go and work on our own stuff. So, you know, for the for the in crop stuff, what are your rules of thumb for us? A lot of times, it's we want the crop to be less than a foot tall and. Uh, we want to just get the mains in at least. Uh, if we're doing something pattern tiled, we'll probably wait to put the laterals in. But if it's just, you know, one lateral run here or there, we'll go with that as well in the spring. Uh, how about for you? What are your kind of guidelines? Um, we usually really push to get mains done, like you said. Um, most guys will, will are okay with that. Um, but then, uh, you know, if it's a soybean field, it's, it's not quite so bad because you can work around the lines. You can you can cut the beans around the lines. Um, but pattern tiling usually is is it's kind of a tough go in a cornfield. But usually the the, the smaller the better. Um, and then uh, as the you know the corn gets taller, then we usually stay out of them. But once in a while we'll have a a bad spot here or there where we got to go through some standing corn and get to drown out spots. And uh, them guys are usually okay with that. So, how how are the bankers to work with? Uh, are they seeing what a big deal it is in in terms of return on investment? And and are the bankers pushing for some of the in crop tiling, or are they kind of staying out of it? Um, I don't I don't know as if they're pushing so much, but I don't think that uh, as long as you're in an okay financial uh, position. Um, I think if you go and talk to your banker, and as long as they know anything about farming, you mentioned tiling. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna be like, no, no, I don't think we should do that. Um, that's our personal experience. Our our banker absolutely loves it. He 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 says it's one of the best investments you can make, and he's right. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. That's uh, that's why we're pushing so hard on our own farm to get things done. And I know a lot of our neighbors are too, especially after this season that's been uh, wet really uh, all all since last harvest. It's it's never dried out a bit here, and we're hoping to get in there soon, as I'm sure guys in your area are too. Been talking with Noah Nelson uh, with Nelson Ag Drainage uh, up in West Central Minnesota. Noah, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck with your farm, and and stay safe out there. Thank you. You too. Got Jay Barth with us right now with Case IH. And Jay, we're talking about pulling tile plows through some of these fields. I know traction is going to be a problem and also, you know, operating speed and, and just keeping things consistent. Uh, but there are some innovations in, in terms of, of tractor technology that are, that are helping us do that. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Jay. Glad to be here.
All right, so talk to us about it. What uh, what should we be looking at for a tractor to, to pull these tile plows? Well, I think one of the things that you need to consider, first of all, is uh, how often you're going to bead tiling and uh, what your specific ground conditions are. I mean, from a tractor standpoint, uh, we can go all the way up to 540 horsepower, engine horsepower with our CVX drive transmission. So what the CVX drive transmission allows you to do is have complete control at slow speeds when you're tiling. And that's one of the things I know that you want to be able to do is to have that slow travel speed to control how the tile's feeding into the plow and that your uh, trench depth is staying at the level you want it to be. And uh, the CVX drive is the perfect transmission to allow you to do that. Yeah, I know we've been you really fortunate sure. at the Ag PhD Field Day, Jay, to, to have tractors there where farmers could get in and drive this uh, and ride along and see how it does pulling a tile plow uh, in our dirt. And we sure got a lot of farmers excited about that, that's for sure. Yeah, when you take that transmission and combine it with either wheeled uh, tractors or tractors on tracks, either the quad track or the row track uh, models of our tractor lineup, uh, it's it's the perfect situation. And, you know, when you're tiling, you don't necessarily have to have tracks. There's certainly attractive advantage to having those, but... Uh, you know, it's not a requirement. I think you can do a, a great job in tiling when you have uh, good ground conditions with a wheel tractor as well. Uh, once again, going back to that travel speed, I think that's the biggest challenge that people find on is how do I, you know, have that slow travel speed so I can get, get the job done properly. Now, you mentioned we can we can use tracks, we can use wheels. What are some of the things that we can do to, to get better traction out there? Because let's face it, a lot of these areas that we're pulling tile through are, are going to be a little sticky and a little wetter than the rest of the field. You know, one of the, the easiest things to do is to, and this one doesn't cost you anything, is to make sure that your tire inflation pressures are correct. I think that sometimes... Uh, you know, people have a tendency to neglect that, and uh, lots of these new radial tires, you can decrease the pressure to levels, and, and by doing so, you're going to increase your footprint on the ground. And, you know, it's an area that, once again, often gets neglected, and uh, you can check with your local tire supplier and say, you know, what's the lowest pressure I can run? Here's what I'm going to be doing with it. And... Uh, take advantage of that. The other is to let those tires work. You don't want to over ballast the tractor, believe it or not. Uh, you know, just piling weight on it isn't necessarily the cure-all that some people think. You, you can let the tires work and do their job and uh, put a lot more power to the ground. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the ballasting because this is one of the things uh, I know talking to uh, to a lot of people in the industry that that they say is probably one of the least understood uh, things. And we, we just put too many general rules into, oh, well, here's what you do. Like you say, just throw a whole bunch more weight down and everything will be fine. But that's not necessarily the case. No. In fact, on our website, uh, caseih.com, there's a ballasting calculator. And I know other manufacturers have similar 
tools that you can use. Uh, but it's good to, once again, consider that you're going to have a, a relatively heavy drawbar load on the tractor or three-point hitch load, depending on what your tile plow is, and go out and take the time to see what kind of weight you should be putting on to it. Well, Jay, thank you so much for talking with Jay Barth with Case IH, uh, talking a little bit about the CVX drive transmission and what a difference that can make, especially when you're running something like a tile plow where you're operating at a, at a pretty low speed. Uh, Jay, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks. It's my pleasure to be here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at mortonbuildings.com. High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the high-yield grower toolbox. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus, LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Think about a quarter inch of rain. That's all it takes to activate Armazon Pro Herbicide in your corn and protect against weeds. Now think about a full inch of rain, the amount most other herbicides require for activation. How long will you have to wait to get that? The weeds hope you'll choose another herbicide. Your corn hopes you choose Armazon Pro Herbicide. Pick a winner. Talk to your BASF rep about Armazon Pro Herbicide today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio again. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and taking your calls and questions throughout the show today. I know we get a lot of questions about, all right, I didn't get my tiling done in the fall. When can I get back out there? Is there any other time? Well, certainly you can get out there before planting if you have a dry spring, or you can get out there early season and do some tiling in crop. And that's kind of our focus today is what can you do? What are the considerations? Brian, we've been doing this for a lot of years. In fact, a majority of the tiling that we've done in our fields has happened in crop. What are some of the rules that you've got? And then I, I mentioned before, really haven't seen a yield loss from it. In fact, uh, in some cases, we've seen a yield improvement because we've got a really poor yielding area uh, due to, to a drainage situation. Okay, so here's what I would say. If you've got to do tight pattern tiling, let's say you've got to do 20, 30-foot spacings, and your yield is already pretty good, not terrible, then I'd maybe put some small grain in and do the tiling after the small grain. Or I'd just say, look, this is the first field we're doing in the fall, so this is where my earliest corn or earliest soybean variety is going to get planted. Do that and then just tile in the fall. Or, again, late summer if, let's say, you can get some small grain in there. Anyway, if you've got uh, spots that you need to tile, or if you have wide pattern tiling, like 50 to 100-foot spacings, or if you just want to put main lines in, in-crop in tiling is awesome. But my rule is crop's got to be a foot tall or less. So, in other words, the first one that I'm into on our farm would be corn and I'm going to go till the corn is a foot tall. Then we go over to soybeans till the soybeans are a foot tall and then we're done. But you know, by the time this gets done, well, that's the middle of June at least. And in some years, unfortunately it's later than that. So if we actually did plant one field of small grain, which I mean, like for us, it's certainly not going to break us to plant one field of small grain a year. And then we go to that stuff. And so we're working on that in late July, we really don't have all that much downtime in the summer. So that's what I would do. And yes, we have done this very effectively on our farm, but again, we haven't been doing full out pattern tiling down to 20, 30 foot spacings, you know, uh, where we're really tearing up a huge percentage of the field. We're just going out there in a few spots, pulling lines through when the crop is small, and it's where the tile really needs to go. Okay, so that, that's how I would look at this. But yeah, I, I love the in-crop tiling. And here's the other thing that I, I tell people. When it's December, it's really hard for me to find people that want to jump down in the hole and get wet and make the connections. And also, how many hours of daylight do we have in December? Not many. The weather's cold. It's miserable. Might be snowing. We don't have great traction, which we really need. So we end up using a pole tractor more often. It's just not a whole lot of fun. Whereas if you're out there tiling in crop, let's say it's the first of June. Well, now the weather's warm and the day length is very long. So you can put in a huge day. The weather's pretty nice. It's fun being outside. Also, that's a time of the year where you do have a lot of traction, generally speaking, because your the surface of the soil is, generally speaking, pretty dry. So you don't have to have a pole tractor as much. You just got done planting, so you know exactly where the worst spots are for drainage. You can go get those fixed right away. And the big reason why I suggest at least tiling some in crop is because the sooner you get the tile on the ground the sooner you start getting 
more yield and improved soil health. So I want to come back. The last thing that I'm going to leave you with on this, this whole tiling deal and drainage is there are so many misconceptions about it. And a lot of people think that, oh, we're going to flood people out and it's bad for the environment and all this stuff. That's a bunch of nonsense. Okay. No way. Tiling is fantastic. It's going to reduce flooding because what it does is it lowers the water table slowly over a long period of time. I want you to think about it. How many times have you had a three-inch rain in or more in the last five years? Probably lots. Okay, if you set up your tiling system, most of it on our farm is set up at a quarter-inch drainage coefficient. The, we only have one field that's set up for a half-inch drainage coefficient. One. Half-inch. So if I had a three-inch rain, it would take me six days to get rid of that water, as opposed to sometimes we'll get a three-inch rain in three hours. Okay, so what would you rather have? Three inches of water going off your field in three hours or three inches of water going off your field in six days. Okay, now tell me which one's going to create the most flooding. Come on. So tiling's fantastic. And also, I always tell people, look, if you want healthy soil and soil health, reading any farm magazine, that's what everybody's talking about, soil health. And I agree 100%. If we have healthier soil, we're going to have fewer diseases. We're going to have more healthy crops. We're going to have bigger root systems, more yield, more profit, better long-term, a better long-term future on the farm. That's fantastic. I love all that stuff. But I always say to people, look, I can promise you, you will not have a healthy soil if you have poor drainage. Get the drainage fixed first. That's where the first dollar on the farm should always go, is improving drainage. If I mean, granted, if you have a drainage problem, if you don't, then it's a moot point. But uh, like on our farm, every single field we have, we farm about 3,000 acres, every single field we have has a drainage issue every single year, even in the drought year of 2012. So we always have to address it at some point. I'm not saying all season long. Sometimes we only need drainage help for a week. But if I get that drainage help for a week, I get more yield. Even, even the drought year of 2012, our best yields were right over our tile lines. We get the frost out earlier in the spring. We get going earlier in the spring. We have the, the roots have more ability to go further down right away in the spring. So we had deeper roots there. So it's no wonder when we run out of moisture and we, that 2012, we went three months with no rain. Three months. Think about that. And we still had a lot of 200 bushel corn and 60 bushel beans. We couldn't have done that without tile. And I know it seems counterintuitive, but that's just the way it is. So anyway, if you have tile on your farm, you already know what I'm talking about. This is one of the things our dad always talked to us about. He said, hey, you know, you think of all the things you can spend money on in the farm. He goes, I've talked to farmers my whole life. I've been a farmer my whole life. I've never heard a single guy say, yeah, I wish I went to spend that money on tiling. Everybody always says, I wish I would have spent more and continued on doing more tile pays. So anyway, I love tiling in crop. I would do at least some and put together a plan on your farm to get more tiling work done if that's something you need. And I realize times are tough right now. I mean, I don't like the commodity prices. I, I'm not happy with farm economics today, but we got to try to figure out ways to help us increase our income. And I know for me, on our farm, we're going to be putting more tile in because I keep finding areas where I go, yeah, a little bit of tile there would really help, and it's going to pay off long term. It's going to make my soil healthier, and I'm going to leave the land in better condition for the next generation. 
All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Well, Brian, here's a question that brings me back to our childhood. This one's from Dino. He said, unless I didn't hear you correctly, is there is there a spray I can use that would kill common mallow but not hurt the grass that's trying to grow with it? Well, you bet, Dino. Uh, we, we had this situation all the time. We, we grew up on a cow-calf operation, and we also had a ferro-to-finish hog operation. And right around, especially the hog pens, but also along some of the cattle lots, we'd end up with a good deal of common mallow growing in the grass. Now, I remember it got so thick because uh, we didn't spray it for a while. We, I don't know, didn't really think about it right along the the livestock pens. But one year, Brian was about to spray there and right in front of the barn. And I remember uh, <laughs> my dad was not very happy with it because Brian did a very effective job killing common mallow and other weeds in the grass. Although there wasn't a whole lot of grass left, Brian. I don't know if you remember that, but it was all brown. And Dad's like, what did you do? And Brian said, well, I just killed the weeds, Dad. Now the grass can actually grow because it's not going to be shaded out. But I was forgetting the key thing. What is a weed? A weed is something growing where we don't want it to grow. I just assumed common mallow was always a weed. Well, in Dad's case, it wasn't a weed there. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, he, he wanted that left. So but we would use yeah. Freelex. Freelex <laughs> would be a new 2,4-D that has very low drift. It would be pretty safe to grass at, at the proper labeled rate. Thanks for the question, Dino. We appreciate that. We'll get back to more of your questions right after this. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean field, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy 2 Save 3 are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grace on Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Graze on Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit LeaveTheWeedsToUs.com to learn more about Graze on Next. Always read and follow label directions. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program 
make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Imagine the perfect flow of grain from the field to the bin. Imagine a single rotor that ensures both quality and productivity. An advanced system that optimizes harvest settings on the go. You don't have to imagine. With features like AFS Harvest Command, an axial flow combine from Case IH always delivers the perfect flow for your operation. Find out how. Talk to your Case IH dealer today. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag hey. time. If you've got a question for us, give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. Hey, Darren, before that, during the break, you were just telling me about seed germination. Tell, tell that story again. Well, I was just talking to uh, an agronomist in uh, south-central Nebraska, and he was saying that, that he was recommending the Enlist E3 trait to some of his farmers that he's working with, which, hey, that's a great trait and uh, nice to have three different things there. Uh, additional versus uh, just conventional soybeans. Okay, you could yeah. also spray Roundup Liberty right, or sorry. the new 24D. I should have been more specific, enlist. Darren. Yeah, it has nothing anyway, to do with Enlist. No. All traits are having germination issues this year. Yes. So well, I don't the pro- care if the we're talking is, old Roundup, new Roundup, Enlist, Extend, whatever. Everything's having germination well, issues. Well, okay. That's true. That's true. There's some germination issues, no doubt about it, in the country. The problem is it was a new trait and a new variety that he wanted. Well, they weren't grown like everywhere, and the close supplier to him had some that was 75% germ. And he, he asked me what I thought about that. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like a real good deal. He goes, nope, but I found some with the same variety, somebody seven hours away that grew it, and it was 90% germ. They had better weather in the fall, didn't get all those late rains, and they didn't have as much pod and stem blight or phomopsis and, and some of those issues. And so anyway, he said, yep, sending trucks seven hours away to pick up seed just to make sure that his customers had really good germ. And I, I thought that was kind of an interesting story. And, and again, you're right, Brian. It doesn't matter what the trait was, uh, although in this case it was brand new trait, brand new variety, so not many people raised that one. Yeah, but the reason why I wanted you to bring this up again is because there are more germination issues this year than I can remember in a long time with soybeans. So make sure you're checking to your seed dealer and make sure you're actually getting 90% germ soybeans. Now, (laughs) the standard is 90%. It is not 99%. So when you plant uh, 140,000, that means at 90%, you you're only getting 126,000 final stand if all 90% grow. Now, the standard for cold germ is 80, which means that you take another 14,000 off. Now you're down to 112,000. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to cut my planting populations. Well, let's keep in mind, if you're planting early and it's cold, that cold germ a lot of times is 80%. So you're only going to get 80% to grow, and that's assuming you have zero crusting, zero insects, zero planter problems. So it's very possible that you could plant 140,000 and only see 100,000 actually come up and do well. And that would not be crazy unusual. So I just want to make sure we're clear on that first. The next thing that I wanted to say is if 
this guy, if if my seed dealer came to me and said, 75% germ, this is what I got, would you still like it? I'd say, sure, I'll take that, but I need a 15 to 20% discount off the normal price. Would I plan it for a 15 to 20% discount? Yeah, I, I would. I, I don't have any issue with that. The thing with soybeans is they can self-thin if you get them too thick, and they can also, also bush out if you've planted them a little bit too thin. With corn, that is not the case. We have to, I, I want a perfect stand of corn, or at least a good stand of corn. Corn can't make up for it in the same way that soybeans can. They'll make up for it a little bit, but not to the degree that soybeans will. So anyway, yeah, I, I, there are a lot of germination issues. Again, we just encourage you, make sure you're talking to your seed dealer and try to get good germinating soybeans if you can. All right, let's get back to some questions here. This one comes from Dustin in Illinois, and he said, uh, what's your take on harvesting corn at higher moistures to capture ghost bushels? How high? Well, he doesn't say how high, but he said, does less less head shelling and so forth yes. make up for the extra drying costs at the elevator? Uh, just an FYI, I don't have a grain bin set up. We've just been hauling stuff right to town. Uh, then probably not, no. If I was hauling it right to the elevator, what they're going to charge is compared to what I can do it on my farm. Now, granted, I've got we've got a, a couple of continuous flow dryers that we've had for 20 years. They're all paid off. They work fantastically well. We can easily dry over a thousand bushels an hour, and I've got a great we've got a great big wet holding bin, so we can dry all night long. I mean, it works out great. We can harvest 250 bushel corn. And yes, I can't run two combines all day, but we could run one combine for 16 hours a day, every day of the week, and keep up with our, our whole system. Anyway, the the whole thing where I'm trying to go with this is, for my setup, it costs very little. So absolutely, on our farm, 20 to 24% moisture, that's where we want to combine corn, yeah, especially absolutely. 20 to 22. But let's say you don't have it but, and you're going to haul right to town. Right. It no, all depends no on way. what they were going to charge you. You mean, well, we you know still, they're going to charge a lot. Right, but you still don't want to wait till 14% moisture corn. You still want to harvest at 18 well, of course to, you want to, to maybe 14. 20. They're going to they're going to start and, docking at 15, and this 15 may be, and a half, maybe 16. This may be Dustin's question is, should I harvest at 18 and get it all done before it drops below 18 or should I wait until it's down to 15 or less so I don't have a dock? Uh, I I would say this. Once you get below 18%, we see I would say 20 to 30% of the hybrids out there on the market start to break down. The cannibalization process is too much. Our yield, our yield potential is great. Our corn hybrids are producing like crazy, but our fertility programs in a lot of cases haven't kept up. And we're seeing corn start to fall apart by that point once we get below 18. So for me, if I've got to pay the dock, i got to pay the dock. I think having a grain set up in a bin is just part of the deal. If you're a corn farmer, that's yeah. part of the things you, that you just have to have in place to do it. And if you're not going to yep. do it, then you just got to pay the dock. But I, I would just look at it like you said, Brandon, I'd much rather pay myself to pay off that drying system than to put that money in the elevator's pocket. Well, yeah, but I mean, they have cost, and you know, the other thing you got to yeah, think they have about some is cost, but not what they're charging. I mean, when you figure, well, they're in business to make money. I number understand, one, I but understand. All, the number one reason is they've got people. They, they people cost a lot of money. Facilities cost a lot of money. Insurance, all these things, they have a lot of extra cost there. So I'm not going right, to fault right. the elevator. No, I'm not faulting them either. Elevators I'm not aren't elevators getting are bad. rich. So I, I mean, I, I'm not That's that worried true. about that. That's but, true, right? So. 
I just say this, if it was me and I had to haul it right to the elevator, I would want to combine at 16 or 17% moisture, but that also means I'm taking tremendous risk. So if I can harvest at 20 to 24% moisture, I have way less risk of stuff falling on the ground and way less risk, uh, you know, just of losing my profit. All right. Thanks for the question, Dustin. We appreciate that. I got one from Jay and he said, I've got some irrigated ground in Western Nebraska. My soil pH is 8.1. I've got real high calcium soil. I've got uh, 3,200 parts per million of calcium, 379 parts per million of potassium. And I sent a couple of samples here along uh, that are right along the lines there. 19 to 20 CEC. And our ground has some limestone hills. Now, I'm, I've had... A, 220 bushel corn yield and a 50 bushel dry soybean yield, or I'm sorry, dry beans last year, not soybeans, dry beans. Yeah, he asked us this question last week, and I said, can you send samples in? So what what's the follow-up question? Well, how much will lowering pH help my yield? If so, would elemental sulfur be a good idea in yeah, my case? Yeah, and so that's where I had said last week, send me the soil tests, and then I can give you a better idea if elemental sulfur will pay or not. And what I said, that's what I said is I'll bet you, you're probably low on sulfur, but send me the tests and then I'll take a look. Sure enough, nine parts per million on sulfur. So yes, if it's me, I'm absolutely using some elemental sulfur because number one, his crop needs it. And he also will get some benefit by getting that pH down. It is eight. Now, the good thing here with his soil is he's at 5% base saturation K, so it's not like he has to invest a whole bunch of money in potassium. But I will say his phosphorus is low. Now, he's got uh, P2 or strong bray, 52 parts per million of phosphorus, but only 18 of that is available in the P1. Part of that is because the pH is so high. Lower the pH, more of that will come available. But also I'm looking at, hey, maybe I need a little bit more uh, phosphorus. I would also say his boron's low, his copper's low, his iron's low, his manganese is low, his zinc is low, and again, his sulfur is low. So there are a lot of things. And the point is, if you only have a certain number of dollars to invest in your fertility program, I'm going to invest a little bit in phosphorus. I'm going to invest a little in zinc, a little in manganese, a little in iron, a little in copper, a little in boron. That's going to leave me less for that elemental sulfur piece. But my suggestion is I'd probably start with a couple hundred pounds of elemental sulfur and go from there. Thanks for that question. Really appreciate that. I also got one here from Muhammad, and he said, what type of irrigation system are you using on your farm? Well, Muhammad, we're not. We've got a couple little demo plots at the Ag PhD field day site with some overhead irrigation, and also we've got some subsurface irrigation, both through drip tape and through drainage tile. Uh, But those are just demonstration plots. The rest of our farm is all dry land farming where we're at. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that, And, and thanks for checking out our show, too. Thanks for all the questions that came in today, and thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.